For months now, it seems, Orioles fans have been clamoring for Jordan Westberg to be called up to the major leagues. Well, on Monday, it finally happened. He was called up, he was in the lineup, and he did all he could to help the Orioles to a 10-3 win over the Cincinnati Reds. I'll recap it all and talk about what Westberg's role will be with the O's coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, June 27th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap the Orioles' 10-3 win over the Reds on Monday night. Gives the five things you need to know from that one, including Adley Rutschman breaking out of his slump, Cole Irvin looking a little bit better before the rain, and Bruce Zimmerman giving the Orioles a big-time performance in relief. Then we'll talk about Jordan Westberg, who made his Major League debut on Monday night, what he did in the game, who he is as a player and a prospect, and what he can do for the Orioles and in what role he'll play moving forward with Baltimore this season. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there, though, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. It's free and available on all podcast listening platforms. We're also free and available right here on YouTube. Just make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. Thanks for bearing with me here on Tuesday again as this episode comes out here in late morning. Not the usual posting time on audio or on video, but was traveling back from the beach on Monday night. Was able to catch the very end of the game, but there was no time with the rain delay and everything to record on Monday night. So I wanted to give myself a full day to just get up talk about the game, talk about Jordan Westberg, and thank you for bearing with me. And being an everydayer, to the everydayers out there, thank you so much for making Locked on Orioles your first listen every single day. And for your first listen today, let's start with an Orioles victory. Orioles 10 and Cincinnati Reds 3. The final score from Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Monday night as the game actually ended right at the stroke of midnight. As soon as it hit 12, CNL Perez caught a line drive comebacker to end the game and seal the 10-3 win. Orioles, after going through not really a, a, a slump at all, just like the, the kind of rough series against the Cubs and then, you know, a, a tough loss to the Rays and getting blown out by the Mariners on Friday night, they've responded very well. They've won three games in a row since then after winning that Seattle series, and they take the first game of this Red Series, a three-game set in Baltimore. Orioles get to 48-29 and 29 on the season. That is the first time this year they have been 19 games over 500. That's a season high. The last time the Orioles were 19 games over 500 was the final day of the 2014 season when the Orioles finished the year 30 games over 500 at 96 and 66 and won the AL East. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 10-3 victory over the Reds on Monday night. The first thing you need to know, of course, is that Jordan Westberg made his major league debut for the Orioles. After Jeff Passan of ESPN reported on Sunday evening that Westberg was being called up, of course it happened just minutes after I finished recording Monday's episode, so that is why, if you're wondering why I didn't talk about Westberg at all on Monday's pod, 
It's because the news broke right after I recorded and didn't have time to go in and re-record. But we are here now. Passon reports it. And then we get the confirmation a little later from the Orioles beat writers. And then finally, we do get the confirmation from the Orioles on Monday. The lineup's out. He is in the lineup as well. Now, some of that had to do with the fact that a lefty starter was on the mound for Cincinnati and Brandon Williamson. We will talk about a little bit later kind of what that role is going to look like moving forward for Westberg against lefties and against righties. But they got him hitting seventh, playing second base, which is a position he's played not his main spot, but a good amount in the minors for the O's getting him ready for the major leagues. And he did his job in this game. Westberg goes one for four in his debut with an RBI, a walk, and a run scored, and no strikeouts as well for Jordan Westberg. He had two hard-hit balls in this game, too, and he looked very comfortable at the plate, I gotta say. I mean, he came up to bat for the first time in his career and drew a walk in the second inning, got the count to 3-2, drew a walk, reached for the first time, then came up in the third with the bases loaded and one out, hit a hard-hit grounder to third base. Really nice play by Ellie De La Cruz to scoop it up. But Westberg beats out the throw to first to avoid the double play, get the RBI. And then the ball gets away from the first baseman and another run scores, which gave the Orioles a 4-1 to lead. Then he got his first major league hit, by far his softest hit ball of the day, as he took a 3-2 pitch that was in off the plate and just blooped it into left field 65 miles per hour off the bat for a base hit for his first major league hit in the fifth. Then the seventh, he grounded into another force out. And finally, in the eighth, he grounded out on a ball that was 100 miles per hour off the bat, his hardest hit of his career so far. But I really liked what I saw from Westberg at the plate. Made a great defensive play in the fifth inning with a glove backhanded flip to Jorge Mateo to get an out at second. And Mateo almost turned the best double play of the year for the Orioles. Throw to first was just a little bit late to try and turn two. I was very impressed by how he looked in game number one, looking major league ready from the get-go. Second thing you need to know from this one is that it wasn't just Jordan Westberg who drew a walk in this game. The Orioles were walking all over the place. It kind of looked like the very early season Orioles. If you remember back in April when the Orioles started the year 19-9, and the offense was one of the best in baseball, the number one thing that made that Orioles offense so good is they were basically walking at a higher rate than anyone else for like the first three weeks of the season. That is what the Orioles did on Monday night. Now, some of it was because Reds pitching wasn't throwing a whole lot of strikes. Brandon Williamson walked four in two innings before the rain delay. You had Jake Wong making his major league debut. He walked three in three innings in relief. Fernando Cruz and Eduardo Salazar, the other two relievers, each walked one for the Reds. But at the end of the day, that's nine walks in eight offensive innings for the Orioles. And you will take that any day of the week. Of course, Adley Rutschman drew one. We mentioned Jordan Westberg had a walk. Ryan McKenna drew a walk. He was also hit by a pitch in this game. Cedric Mullins drew a walk. Jorge Mateo drew two walks in this game. Let me say that again. Jorge Mateo, who on Sunday, on Sunday, drew a walk, which already rarely happens but the fact that it came against a Seattle Mariners team who doesn't really walk anybody and he drew a walk on Sunday was pretty magnificent. And then, and then to draw two walks the next day, essentially unheard of from Jorge Mateo, who is, I felt like, pretty close to being benched this season. And then he goes on and walks twice in a game, which he has not done all season. 
first multi-walk game of the year for Jorge Mateo, who has got to be feeling good about that. Now, did he hit the cover off the ball and have a huge offensive game? No. But two walks is two walks. Then you add in three walks from Aaron Hicks, who's going to continue to walk. And you got something going. And it was Mateo who has the highest strikeout rate in the league, walked against George Kirby on Sunday. It was the lowest walk rate in the league. That was pretty interesting. Anyway, he can get on base and use that speed is good. But all the walks really helped the Orioles. And it helps you. Yeah, they had 12 hits, but they didn't hit the ball hard a lot. And not a lot of those hits came early in the game. So the walks, very, very helpful. Third thing you need to know from this one is that Adley Rutschman kind of broke out of his little mini slump in Monday's game. Had the day off, full day off, and the Orioles win on Sunday. Back in the two-hole and catching on Monday. He goes two for four with a couple of singles, two RBIs, and a walk, and no strikeouts for Adley in that one. Yeah, one of his hits was an infield single. The other one was just a bouncer up the middle that was a two-run single. But Adley looked much more comfortable at the plate than he has the last couple of days and looked back like the normal Adley that we know and love at the dish. It was his first multi-hit game since June 15th. That's not that long ago. It's 11 days. But for Adley Rutschman, it feels like a long time, and it was nice to see him get back on track. Fourth thing you need to know from this one as we switch it over to the pitching side, Cole Irvin wasn't able to pitch deep into this game because of the rain delay. But the three innings that he was allowed to pitch... I thought he took another step forward. Irvin in this start, after getting pushed back a few days, he was supposed to start originally on Friday night. Three innings, one run on three hits with three strikeouts, and the big one is no walks, only 45 pitches, only two hard hit balls against him in those three innings of work. And again, rain delay came in the bottom of the third. It lasted almost an hour and a half. Both starters had to come out of the game. Brandon Williamson for the Reds and Cole Irvin for the Orioles had to come out. And you know when there's a 90-minute rain delay, no starters are going back out there. But I thought what we saw from Irvin was good. Now, what he did in the first inning was not good. He allows a monster double to the leadoff hitter Kevin Newman to start the game. Ends up allowing a run on three hits in the first inning. Actually could have been worse, although Ramon Arias made a great diving play on a liner down the line for the final out of the first. That could have been two more runs if Arias hadn't saved that. But then Irvin just locked things back in and retired the next six hitters he faced before eventually the rain delay came. So he ended his day with seven straight Reds retired and just looked much better. And yeah, he only had four whiffs on 20 swings, but he was filling up the strike zone. No walks, which is really, really good to see. Got a few strikeouts, three of them, which is also nice. He mixed all of his pitches well. He went to that four-seamer up in the zone. He was dropping that curveball in for a strike a couple of times. That was nice to see. And just overall, it was a step forward for Irvin. We'll see what this does to the Orioles' rotation with him getting pushed back to Monday and then only pitching three innings. It's going to be really interesting to see what that does, but we'll monitor that for the O's. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from this Orioles 10-3 victory is that Bruce Zimmerman came in clutch for the Orioles in this game. Now, they may not have had, there was a chance they may not have had a long reliever in this one in the bullpen. But Zimmerman came up over the weekend to have an emergency long reliever just in case. And luckily the O's kept him around because they needed one on Monday night. Because of the rain delay, Cole Irvin could only throw three innings. So the Orioles turned around and they had what the Reds kind of didn't have in the bullpen was a starter who was rested and ready to go. And yes, Zimmerman only gave them three innings and you might have looked for a little bit more. But three innings, two runs, four hits, 
Two Ks, no walks, and a home run on 41 pitches. He did give up a two-run homer to Spencer Steer in the sixth inning. But otherwise, Bruce did his job, which was bridge the gap to the back end of the bullpen. And I got to be honest, Zimmerman really only came out of this game because it was 7-3, to three, right? And it was still a semi-close game in the seventh. The Orioles turned it over to Brian Baker, then Mike Bauman and Cienel Perez, each with a scoreless inning to end the game. But if the Orioles had gone up 10-3 to three earlier, like in the fifth or sixth inning, they probably would have rode Zimmerman maybe through the end of the game. I mean, it would have been possible and saved the entire bullpen. I'm fine that they didn't because I still don't trust Bruce in like higher leverage spots later in the game. But those three innings were huge. He got five whiffs. You know, the stuff was looking closer to what it looked like early last season. Again, he's basically gone away from his fastball. Only 10 fastballs in 41 pitches. 16 sliders. Got four whiffs on that pitch on 11 swings. A lot of sliders, a lot of change-ups, a lot of curveballs from Zimmerman. He's basically a breaking ball and off-speed guy at this point because his fastball was so bad last season. But I love what I saw from him in long relief for the Orioles. But the O's do win it 10-3, kind of a full house of O's contributing to this victory, but none bigger or at least none more notable than what Jordan Westberg was able to do in his Major League debut. And coming up next, get a little breakdown of Jordan Westberg, not just what he did on Monday night, but who he is as a player, who he was as a prospect, why the Orioles called him up. And, you know, if you don't know much about Westberg, now you can learn about the newest Oriole. But first... This episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. So the Orioles win it 10-3 over the Cincinnati Reds on Monday night. But the big story of the game was the Major League debut of Jordan Westberg. Now, if you don't know who Jordan Westberg is, many of you do because he's been such a highly touted Orioles prospect for a while. But if you saw Westberg got called up and weren't really sure what kind of player he is, who he is, well, this could be a good little look at Jordan Westberg. Westberg is a 24-year-old right-handed hitting infielder who has played Mostly third base, shortstop, and second base in the minors. The Orioles have moved him around a bit. He's played a little bit of outfield, especially this year, a little bit of left and right field, just to get him a little more comfortable out there in case the Orioles would need him. But generally, a right-handed hitting infielder who was drafted as a shortstop, but I think a lot of people project him at third or second base in the majors, though he certainly can play shortstop. It's not a shortcoming defensively. He's just not at the Jorge Mateo, Joey Ortiz, or even Gunnar Henderson level defensively at shortstop. He was the 30th overall pick by the Orioles in the 2020 draft. It was not technically a true first round pick. The Astros member had to forfeit their pick in 2020. So the Orioles in the next supplemental round had the 30th pick in the shortened 2020 draft. They took Westberg out of Mississippi State. Just an incredible performer in the SEC in college. Had amazing numbers. One of the most like big league ready already hitters that was drafted in that draft. He was so polished already. And that's what kind of happened to him 
throughout the minor leagues. He was the Orioles minor league player of the year in 2022, split the year between double A AA and triple A, had an 817 OPS in double A, got called up, hit 273 with an 869 OPS to finish the season in triple A. He was then in big league camp with the Orioles in 2023, never really had a shot to make the team out of spring training, but this season in triple A, he continued to put up great numbers, even better numbers with the Norfolk Tides in 300 plate appearances slash 295 with a 372 on base and a 567 slugging. That's a 939 OPS for Westberg and AAA this year with 15 doubles, 18 homers, and a 131 WRC+, meaning he was 31% better than a league average AAA hitter. His 10% walk rate was the lowest of his career, but his 21% strikeout rate was also a little bit lower than it had been the recent years. And he also had a career-low pull percentage. He was only pulling 38% of his batted balls. He was spraying the ball around the field more, getting better results. And that bodes well for playing at Camden Yards with the new wall in left field, too. Now, a lot of people have talked about him being kind of a reverse splits guy. And that's certainly what he's been kind of at an extreme pace in AAA this year. But you got to remember, you have to take that with a grain of salt. Because, yes, Jordan Westberg only has a 674 OPS against left-handed pitching in AAA this year, whereas he has a 1033 OPS against right-handed pitching in AAA this year. So that would tell you, okay, he's a reverse splits guy, hits righties better than lefties, even though he's a right-handed hitter. However, he only had 81 plate appearances against lefties in AAA this season. Not a very big sample size. Now, he had 220 plate appearances against righties. 17 of his 18 homers came on that side and over an 1,000 OPS. So he can clearly hit the ball. I don't think he's really an extreme reverse splits guy. And I think the Orioles are going to play him against lefties in the big leagues, as they did on Monday night. I just think that was a little bit of small sample size. Now, in 2022, he was better against righties, but it wasn't nearly as extreme as it is this year. I think that shows kind of the small sample size doing its part. And he mashed left-handers in 2021 when he was in the lower minor leagues. He was way better against lefties, had over 1,000 OPS against lefties that year. So I don't think it's like a struggle to hit lefties. I still think he'll be a guy who can hit left-handed pitching. But basically, I've talked about it, you know, time and time again. And I said it on this podcast. I was skeptical that Westberg would ever play a game for the Orioles. I thought they were going to hold him down in AAA, have him continue to dominate pitching down there, keep the value up, and then trade him near the deadline before they ever called him up. Now, that did not happen, and I'm very happy to see him in the big leagues, but that's what I thought would happen. And I always kind of said about Jordan Westberg, I don't know if he'll ever be like an all-star in the big leagues, but I just see him being a solid everyday major leaguer, like a really good player you really want in your lineup, maybe never makes an all-star team, right? maybe never wins any awards, but he's just a solid, key, contributing, everyday big leaguer. And I felt that since the day they picked him because he was so polished on draft day, and he's still such a polished major league player now. He showed that off in his debut on Monday night. But really, the logical next question is, okay, we know who Jordan Westberg is. We know that he was the number three prospect in the Orioles system behind only Jackson Holiday, now the number one prospect in baseball, and Colton Kowser when he was called up number three in the system. We know he's this polished guy. We know he had a good debut. We know he can play multiple positions and we know he can hit. The question now, what is his role with the Orioles? Because we have seen basically everybody but the number one prospects in baseball when they were called up. Adley Rutschman, 
and Gunnar Henderson. Everybody but those two guys have struggled to get regular playing time when the Orioles have called them up. Can Jordan Westberg break that trend? We'll talk about that to finish off the pod coming up next. So it's Orioles and Reds for game number two here on Tuesday night. And I would assume Westberg probably back in the starting lineup for the O's, especially with another lefty on the mound for the Cincinnati Reds. It is the rookie Andrew Abbott, who's only made a handful of starts so far with the Reds since being called up. But he's got a 1.13 ERA. He has been fantastic. Former University of Virginia left-hander. Kind of rose through the system quickly and now is in the big leagues. He's going to go up against Tyler Wells, who continues to be the Orioles' best starting pitcher. This is going to be a really, really fun matchup between these two starters. It'll be tonight, game two of a three-game series, 7.05 p.m. Eastern time, first pitch. And you can catch every pitch of the Orioles' hometown radio broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just download the app and search Orioles. So in tonight's lineup, we should probably see Jordan Westberg again after he had a nice debut, one for four with an RBI single and a walk. But the question is, how often are we going to see Jordan Westberg? Because one thing I'll tell you, you're not going to see him every day. That's just one thing to know. He is not going to be in there as the everyday second baseman. The Orioles still have Adam Frazier, who they trust as a veteran presence at second base and as a left-handed hitter. And they still have a lot of options around the infield right now that they can go to. Now, the move that the Orioles made was the move that I predicted. I did a little supplemental video on Twitter on Sunday right after Jeff Passan broke the news. And I said probably Joey Ortiz is going down to AAA. He has options. He's another infielder, and he hadn't played in like five days. Well, that's exactly what happened. The Orioles optioned Joey Ortiz to AAA to make room for Jordan Westberg. And then they DFA'd their kind of third catcher, Jose Godoy, who was still sitting on the 40-man roster. He was the easy DFA candidate, and that's what they did to make room on the 40-man. Because remember, Westberg was not even on the 40-man roster, so he had to be put there and then put on the active 26-man roster. But at this point, we ask, you know, will he play every single day? No, he will not. But I think Westberg's going to play more than Ortiz. It is really interesting, and people have brought this up, how, you know, Westberg has had much more of, of a kind of a star around him, got much more promotion from the Orioles when he was called up versus what happened with Joey Ortiz when he was first called up in late April. Yes, they were similar type players by the end, but Westberg's been a more polished prospect. He was a higher draft pick. I think there's higher expectations for him than there is for Joey Ortiz. And one thing I find interesting, just kind of take a look, and this is not, not a conspiracy theory, but just kind of take a look at this. Which players, when they called up, get a legitimate uniform number? And which players, when they get called up, get very much a spring training style uniform number? Adley Rutschman got his 35. Gunnar Henderson got his number two. Jordan Westberg got 11. That is a legitimate number. Kyle Stowers got 83. Taryn Vavra got 77. Joey Ortiz got 65. Are you sensing a pattern here for what the Orioles kind of do with some of these call-ups? Even, you know, Grayson Rodriguez got his number 30 the moment he came up. You know, and, and, and these guys weren't even on the opening day roster. These are midseason call-ups getting those uniform numbers. It's not the most scientific way to look at how the Orioles view their prospects, but Westberg seems to be in a different category than Stowers, Vavra, and Ortiz. 
And in terms of talent, I would agree with that. I think he is in a different category. He's not nearly Rutschman or Henderson. He was a top 100 prospect, don't get me wrong, but he was not the number one prospect in baseball, not even close. You know, he was lucky to be a top 50 guy some places. But now you look and say, okay, how much more can he play? Because he'll play more than Joey Ortiz was playing, but how much more? I mean, they wouldn't have flipped Ortiz with Westberg if they didn't plan to play Westberg more than Ortiz, who sat the last five days. That's pretty easy to see, and we saw it when he was immediately in the lineup on Monday night. Now, will he play versus righties? That's the first question. Because I think the Orioles showed they're going to play him against lefties with what they did on Monday night. And against lefties, I think you'll see some combination of what we saw on Monday night. Now, maybe you'll more so see Gunnar Henderson back in there, probably in place of Ramon Arias, who did have a big night Monday, but Arias has had big-time reverse splits this year, has been much better against right-handed pitching. So against righties, they still have Adam Frazier. You're going to see him at second. I'm hoping you'll see Gunnar Henderson at shortstop against righties. You'll have Ryan O'Hearn at first base, probably Santander DHing, maybe Aaron Hicks in right with you know Mullins in center and Austin Hayes in left field. And then you've got kind of Ramon Arias versus Jordan Westberg. Now, Arias has been better this year against righties. He's generally been a little better in his career against righties, but he doesn't have a super high ceiling as a hitter. Whereas you've got Westberg, who crushed right-handed pitching in AAA this year and has a higher ceiling than Arias. Now, Arias probably at this point a better defender at third base and has been around this team a lot longer. But that's your decision against right-handed pitching. Basically, who plays third base? Jordan Westberg. Or Ramon Arias. Going to be really interesting to see that answer. Orioles will face a righty in Wednesday's game, the final game of this series. We could get our answer. Maybe Westberg just gets the day off anyway because he'll probably play Monday and Tuesday. But it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, what the Orioles start to do versus lefties and righties with all these good options in the infield. Now, if Ryan Mountcastle does come back soon, this could change the plans a little bit. I mean, he's not really an infielder, but he is a first baseman. And so that may not affect second, third, and short because that affects more of a Mountcastle, O'Hearn platoon, affects where Aaron Hicks plays, affects where Anthony Santander plays. That impacts that a little bit more. So Mountcastle coming back could have a little impact because you got to make a roster move if you bring him back, and Westberg does have options. But as long as he would stay with Mountcastle, I don't think that would change his playing time too, too much. Really, it's about... How much do the O's want to play him over Ramon Arias? I think that's the question. Or even play him over Adam Frazier. Now, the Orioles are not going to play Frazier against lefties at this point. Just like he's going to sit probably against every single lefty. I don't see the Orioles still rostering Adam Frazier as a veteran guy that they trust and a guy that they spent a little money, at least for John Angelo's standards, on in free agency this year. I don't see them just completely benching Adam Frazier and not playing him against righties. So it could be a mix of Westberg stepping in for Frazier, stepping in for Arias, and sitting. My prediction, he's not going to be an everyday player. You know, not going to play as much as Henderson and Rutschman played when they first came up. But he's not going to be stuck in that hole that Kyle Stowers and Taron Vavra and then Joey Ortiz have been stuck in as well. Where they play a little bit and they have some moments, but they're not playing nearly enough and they get into stretches where they don't play for four or five days just because the Orioles trust their veteran guys a little bit more and their proven guys a little bit more. I think Westberg is a kind of hitting prospect that the Orioles actually haven't really called up yet in the Michael Elias era. Not the tippy-top all-star number one guy, 
but not the maybe late bloomer, maybe figured something out with the O's, kind of helpful guy off the bench. He's in the middle where I think he's an everyday player at some point. At some point, not now. But at some point is an everyday player, but really could help you most days now. So I think we're going to see for the first time a prospect come up and play three to four days a week and help the Orioles off the bench and be a nice contributor in the lineup. Second base, third base, maybe a little shortstop, maybe. But that's what I see at this point from Jordan Westberg. Again, he's not going to play every day. He's going to strike out a good bit. He's going to struggle at times, but it's going to be fun to have another one of these top guys in the Orioles lineup. We'll see if he can continue to do some good things in Game 2 between the O's and the Reds coming up tonight. And then I'll be back with you tomorrow recapping Game 2 of this series, talking about how Jordan Westberg does in his second game in the big leagues and a little bit more O's news and notes that we got throughout the week. That's coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.